brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. On Friday, the bishop from the Bay Area in Central California rocked the Catholic world by taking a step that has been frankly needed for decades and should have been taken by his predecessor. He barred the person that I'm just going to call Lady Moloch from receiving our blessed Lord in the most holy sacrament of the altar, the Eucharist. This made waves in the secular world for some reason. The various outlets wanted to make sure that everyone, meaning the supporters of Moloch, know that the church has overstepped what they think are its bounds by taking an internal disciplinary measure that has been long overdue. Yes, it has public implications. This is an internal disciplinary measure, to be sure. Today, I'll go over who has stepped up to the plate and expressed support for the move by the bishop and the noteworthy figures who have not as of yet spoken about it, and the predictable statements by one of the most strident modernists in the church in our time. So let's get into the story. For those of you who are watching this to see what the reasoning is for the church to take action like this against public Catholics who support wicked things, like Lady Moloch herself, the entire argument is summed up, summed up succinctly by St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa, where he says the following, quote, a distinction must be made among sinners. Some are secret, others are notorious, either from the evidence of the fact as public usurers or public robbers or from being denounced as evil men by some ecclesiastical or civil tribunal. Therefore, Holy Communion ought not to be given to open sinners when they ask for it. Hence, Cyprian writes to someone, quote, You were so kind as to consider that I ought to be consulted regarding actors and that magician who continues to practice his disgraceful arts among you. As to whether I thought that Holy Communion ought to be given to such with other Christians, I think that it is beseeming neither the divine majesty nor Christian principle or the church's modesty and honor to be defiled by such shameful and infamous evil. But if they be not open sinners but secret, the Holy Communion should not be denied them if they ask for it. For since every Christian, from the fact that he is baptized, is admitted to the Lord's table, he may not be robbed of his right except for some open cause. Hence, on 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, quote, If he who is called a brother among you, etc., uh, Augustine's gloss remarks, we cannot inhibit any person from communion except he has openly confessed or has been named and convicted by some ecclesiastical or lay tribunal. Nevertheless, a priest who has knowledge of the crime can privately warn the secret sinner or warn all openly in public from approaching the Lord's table until they have repented of their sins and have been reconciled to the church. Because after repentance and reconciliation, communion must not be refused even to public sinners, especially in the hour of death. Hence, in the Third Council of Carthage, we read, Reconciliation is not to be denied to stage players or actors or others of this sort, or to apostates after their conversion to God, end quote. By the way, take note of how actors were perceived by the church and broader society during the age of the fathers of the church. Maybe we should take a page from their playbook again, just a thought. But the point is this, someone cannot be denied access to the Eucharist for being a typical private sinner. Most of us can commit sins that are secret in nature. High-profile Catholics have a different burden to bear, though, to be a good example for the faith for both the faithful and for those outside the church. When we commit sins of a public nature, we can pay a heavy price for that. And that begins with a pastoral warning or censure like Lady Moloch received on Friday 
from her archbishop. To be clear, she has not been formally excommunicated, not formally. She is still on paper a Catholic. She may have automatically incurred excommunication for her actions, but ultimately that is the call of her bishop or of the Pope to make, neither of which I expect to happen unless she pushes the issue. And that'll probably be the bishop, probably not Francis. At the time of the recording of this episode, she still hasn't said anything publicly about it, though the Sunday morning talk shows spoke about it in brief. But I expect her to talk about it since one of her defining characteristics is that she just can't help but mention her opinion on everything under the sun. Thankfully, her bishop is not alone in denying her access to a sacrament whose use would serve as a condemnation to her soul instead of as a great source of grace as the faith teaches. Numerous of his brother bishops have stepped up and congratulated him on his actions and have been announced their support for it. Lady Moloch owns a summer house somewhere, and that bishop stated that he will uphold the pastoral censure against her, which is good news. But who are the bishops standing up with the good bishop from the Bay Area? Pillar Catholic has the story. No one who has been watching my coverage of the German Sonata Way will be surprised that Archbishop Samuel Aquila has, of Denver has stood in defense of the Eucharist. On this move by his brother bishop, he said the following, quote, I know Archbishop Cordelione to be a shepherd with the heart and mind of Christ, who truly desires to lead others toward Christ's love, mercy, and promise of eternal salvation. He has made every attempt to try and avoid this step. This issue is not about politics or simply enforcing church rules, but rather about love, love for the individual and love for the entire community. Church teaching is clear that people endanger their souls if they separated from God because of grave sin and then receive the most holy Eucharist in an unworthy manner. If the church truly loves them as she does, then it is more than appropriate to call them back to an intimate relationship with each person of the Trinity through repentance before receiving the body and blood of Jesus in a way that risks their eternal salvation. And when that person is a public person, love for the community means guarding against scandal and confusion and allowing others to be led into sin if they don't see the issue addressed in an appropriate and compassionate manner. End quote. That statement is clear, simple, and lacks ambiguity. And that's refreshing. In this post-conciliar age of ambiguity, the clarity has been lacking on for pretty much everything from most bishops. Both Cordelione and Aquila are especially noteworthy for making clear statements on why this had to be done for the sinner in question's soul. But they weren't alone. The other bishops who, as of late on Saturday night, stood with the bishop from the Bay Area are as follows. My bishop, Archbishop Coakley of Oklahoma City. Michael Barber of Oakland, Liam Carey of Baker, Oregon, James Conley of Lincoln, Nebraska, Donald Hying of Madison, Wisconsin, Thomas Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, David Ricken of Green Bay, Wisconsin, Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, Robert Vasa of Santa Rosa. He's the bishop where Lady Moloch has a summer residence. Another organization adds some names to the list, and they are Bishop Thomas Daly of Spokane, Washington. Michael Olson of Fort Worth, Texas, James Wall of Gallup, Minnesota, or rather Gallup, New Mexico. All told as of production time for this episode, only 12 bishops have expressed support in the United States for this action. I'm not that concerned with the bishops from outside the United States, to be brutally honest. There are some notable names missing. Obviously, the Francis bishops are missing, the likes of Supich and Wilton Gregory and Tobin and their brand of faux Catholic tradition-hating bishops, have remained silent. That's actually not noteworthy. That's to be expected at this point, although what, their reaction to this is going to be interesting, to say the least. 
What is noteworthy is that Archbishop Sample in Portland has not issued a statement yet, nor have most of the bishops of Texas, America's heartland in general, or the South. That's surprising, all things considered. If you know of other bishops who issued statements on Sunday, let me know in the comments who they are so they can get credit that they deserve for standing up for the truth. I, you know, have been told by my uh, various uh, priests who hear my confession that I, that people in my line of work aren't strictly bound to the Sunday work rule, but I still try to honor it as best I can. And so I produced this late on Saturday. I want to highlight another statement made, though, this one by Bishop Donald Hine. He gives a good reason for why this was necessary. Lady Moloch has, quote, persistently taken public positions in support of the Moloch ritual, as we'll call it, contrary to her professed Catholic face, faith, choosing to separate herself from full communion with the Catholic Church, and therefore is not to present herself for the reception of Holy Communion in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, Hying stated. Archbishop Cordeleone's public statement made it clear that this serious measure is purely pastoral, not political, in a further attempt to help her understand the grave evil she is perpetrating, the scandal she is causing, and the danger to her own soul she is risking. This is not a decision that was made rashly, but rather one made after almost 10 years of patient dialogue and repeated attempts at reconciliation with her and consistently held teachings of the Catholic Church. Please join me in prayer for her that she may embrace the sacred truth, etc. End quote. Pretty clear and take note. Bishop Hying stated there that she cut herself off from full communion, whatever that means. There is no full or partial communion in the church. She has automatically excommunicated herself. That is the clear teaching of the church. And the Vatican has upheld this over the past few decades, at least in terms of the penalty being automatically incurred. They've never applied it to anyone, including her. And that's the problem. The problem is that the penalty is meaningless unless it is enforced. Which brings me back to Cardinal Hilton Gregory, the Cardinal Archbishop of the Imperial Capital, where Lady Moloch works and will continue to work most likely for the foreseeable future. Since unless I miss something big, she hasn't announced her retirement to my knowledge. Maybe she doesn't want to leave her successor up to the whims of the people, but instead wants to choose someone herself that the walking sack of potatoes that is the governor of her state will appoint for her. I'm not sure how it works there, but it hasn't been announced yet, so it's too late given how these things tend to work across the country. So for the foreseeable future, she will be able to present herself for Holy Communion in the Imperial Capital, which begs a lot of questions. First, we already know the answer to. Will she receive the Eucharist illicitly from Cardinal Gregory or one of his priests? The answer to that is almost certainly yes. That will cause grave scandal as soon as someone takes note of it. And you know that in the age of cell phones with cameras on them and a basic lack of decorum, someone is likely to snap a picture or video of her doing just that. Wait for if it hasn't happened already. What will the effect of that be on the American bishops? The virtually and most qu certainly quiet schism between them will be pronounced. But there's another point to all of this. We've seen some of the voices of the worst of the bishops speaking in opposition publicly to this action. Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church took to Twitter and posted a bunch of quotes from Francis like this one. Quote, Pope Francis last year, I've never denied communion to anyone. When the church, in order to defend a principle, acts in a non-pastoral way, it takes sides on the political plane. It has always been so. What must a pastor do? Be a pastor. Don't go condemning. Be a pastor because he is a pastor also for the excommunicated, end quote. That seems to rather clearly state that even the excommunicated should receive the Eucharist, which, as far as I can tell, is heresy. But it also seems to imply that he knows that these figures we're talking about here have excommunicated themselves. That's an interesting admission, given other things he said about them. 
But Pastor Jamie goes further and starts tweeting about the story of Zacchaeus from the Gospels, with the clear point that Lady Moloch is a new Zacchaeus. Quote, Gospel. Today Jesus tells us, quote, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, just because the people disagree with you doesn't mean you are being persecuted, as my novice director used to say. It could mean that you're just wrong, but when one stands up for the poor, the sick, or the marginalized, one often receives some pushback. This, as Jesus tells us, is inevitable. Remember the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Jericho. He was most likely hated by the rest of the town for colluding with the Romans. Nonetheless, when Jesus passed through Jericho, he calls out to Zacchaeus and invites himself to dine at his house, a sign of public welcome to, to someone on the outs. What is the crowd's reaction? Are they moved by Jesus' display of compassion? No, the gospel is clear. All who saw it began to grumble. Showing mercy to people on the margins always infuriates some people, so expect some opposition, protest, critique, etc. when working with those on the margins. By the way, in the Zacchaeus story, Jesus doesn't let the grumbling bother him at all. End quote. For those who think he was commenting separately from the Eucharist issue, he tweeted that story out minutes after several more blatantly obvious ones about the topic of barring Lady Moloch from the altar of sacrifice. He knows what he's doing. He prefaced all that by stating that he holds the formal position on the question that caused all this to begin with, the Moloch topic. And then he followed it with the classic but statement, meaning he didn't really believe the church's position on it as firmly as a pastor should. So what do you think about all this? Are you surprised that it's only a dozen bishops or so that support the move by the bishop from the Bay Area to defend both Lady Moloch's potential salvation and for the integrity of the most blessed sacrament of the altar? Does Pastor Jimmy's statement surprise you or not at all? Do you think like I do that it reflects the, what the worst of the bishops think about this and what they're going to do? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.